0: Well, let's pray after that. We have to pray. Father, thank you
1: for the opportunity to
0: gather together to worship you, how great you are. Father, we ask that uh, as we come and break open your word, Lord, to pray that your spirit would have others hear what you want them to hear, not my words. Father, we know that you're great. What times do we think. Herself. We fail to look to you for forgiveness for that. Father, in your greatness, I would pray today not only for this message as we take a look at the topic of love, but Father, for uh, Pastor Sean and Lydia and uh, his daughters as they are traveling, the graduations, uh, and then at the end of the month when they head back out to uh, New Mexico to take care of their uh, his bad stuff. That Father, you would just uh, show yourself in greatness to them. Father, prepare the way we would ask that you would uh, just allow the pieces to fall in place so that uh, all the items that need to be taken care of uh, will be settled. We pray that they will come back uh, with a sense of accomplishment, uh, a sense of peace, and Father, knowing Uh, that you have guided their steps. So we give praise and honor to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, probably out online, I don't have a tablet or a uh, a laptop like Pastor Sean has. uh, So I can't greet you uh, by name. Oh, so-and-so is online or whatever. Um, But I can say hello to you that are online. I'm going to borrow a phrase from uh, Rick Mindek. I'm an analog guy in a digital world, so <laughs> that's just the way it is. I'm still trying to work on Pac-Man. Anyway, so. Um, <clears throat> Sean has been going through a uh, series called uh, One Another's, and I think we've only had two of them that I remember at the moment. One was encourage one another, one was build one another, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, continue on that series with the topic today, Love One Another. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a punchline. John Yee was here last week and he made the comment, uh, don't give your punchline away at the beginning of the message. I, I didn't even know there was supposed to be a punchline, so I don't have a punchline. I want to refer you to First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 22. And Peter is writing, and he says basically to um, uh, the people he's writing to, uh, he opens the chapter with praising God for um, the fact that he's a living hope. He's provided grace. He's provided salvation. He's provided a reconciliation with us. And then he goes on in the second part of the chapter and says, <coughs> Be holy. And he gives instructions in how to live a holy life. And the verse that I'd like to draw your attention to is verse 22. Now that you have been purified, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. Love is one of those intrinsic uh, needs that human beings uh, have. Uh, we need to be loved. We want to be loved. And uh, mostly we hear about love through stories and uh, poems, films, and songs. I like songs. I'm going to date myself here. Uh, just listen to some of that. I'm not going to sing. Just listen to some of the songs about love. Elvis Presley says he can't help falling in love. Jefferson Airplane asks, don't you want somebody to love? The Beatles tell us all you need is love, but then they say, can't buy me love. Led Zeppelin says, all we need is a whole lot of love. The Doors ask, don't you love her madly? The Everlees brothers tell us that love hurts. Johnny Lee and Kenny Rogers are looking for love in all the wrong places. Air supply is all out of love, and Dionne Warwick has had it, because she says I'll never fall in love again. So much for love. So Pastor Sean likes definitions, and uh, I took a look in the dictionary, and there's 22 separate definitions for love as a noun, as a verb, as a verb with a subject, as a verb without a subject, and it's very, very confusing. I'm going to give you a a uh, definition of love in a couple minutes, but first I want to say we have a command to love one another. It's a direct statement by Jesus. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus is sharing at the Last Supper, and he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. Kind of get the hint there? A command from Jesus. John goes on in um, chapter 15, talking about uh, Jesus teaching about the vine and the branches and the importance of being connected to him. And he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Also talking about the vine and the branches, in seven, uh, chapter 15, verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And then 1 John 3.11 reinforces the command. This message you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. What is this love? Well, apart from the 22 separate indications or definitions in the dictionary. Uh, I like the Greek. The Greek language is very precise. And the Greek language expresses three types of love. The first one is eros, which we know as sensual or sexual love, righteously experienced within a marriage relationship between a man and a woman, contrary to what our society tells us. There's phileo phileo love, It's an affection, a friendship, a feeling of warmth towards someone else. It's often described as brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a universal love that humans can find with other humans. And then there's agape love. This is a commitment to the will, a commitment to my will, to cherish and uphold another person. It's an act of sacrifice that I have to choose to make for the benefit of another person. It's used to describe the love of God. It always addresses the will. It's a choice that we have to make. And it entails a decision that we make and a personal commitment to treat one another with concern, care, thoughtfulness, and we work for the best interest of others. So we have a command to love. The question is, how do we do that? What are the descriptive things that I have to look at that my will has to decide I'm going to do something that's going to show um, an agape love, because I've been commanded, love one another. I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often known as the love chapter, often read at weddings. Basically, what's happening here is uh, Paul is addressing the Corinthian church. And throughout the book of Corinthians, he writes to answer questions, and, and he teaches so that the Corinthians can apply what they've heard and take correction, act, corrective action with their wills. And why do you think that is? Because the church is plagued with divisions and factions based on preferences of particular teachers. They have a misunderstanding of God's wisdom versus earthly wisdom. There's disorder within the church. There's an incestuous relationship in the church. There's boasting. There's sexual immorality. There's lawsuits among believers marriage relationships and problems. There's a question of Christian freedom. Well, what can I do? What can't I do? There's a question of uh, how we treat someone who is not as mature, maybe in Christ, as we are, or if I'm not that mature in Christ, uh, what do I do when I look at someone else and watch their behavior? Uh, Should I eat meat to idols uh, that that have been uh, devoted to idols? Uh, There's disorder in worship. There's... Uh, abuse at the Lord's table. There's a misunderstanding of the use of spiritual gifts. There's diversity and unity within the church body and a misunderstanding of the resurrection. And so what Paul does is he writes to the Corinthian church and when he gets to the area of all the things that have been happening He begins to talk about the spiritual gifts and how they're misusing them, and then he goes into chapter 13. Let me read it. It says, and now I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Those characteristics, as I look at them, I go, wow. Wow. That's an awful lot of things with regard to love. And as I look at those, I have to say to myself, am I patient with others? Ephesians tells us, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. Do I exhibit that patience? Do you exhibit patience? Especially when things are trying? Well, I am not patient with other drivers. I I am not. I have to tell you, I have to admit my favorite line behind the wheel with the windows up is, you moron. I do not understand how you can take a task and make it complicated. I wonder what people do. I wonder what they're thinking. I have expectations that they're supposed to obey the traffic laws. And I think I have a little higher sense of that because my career as a law enforcement officer and my training gave me a little more than the average driver gets, and I have this expectation that you're gonna do what you're supposed to do. Why would you sit at a green light? Why would you? Anyway. We're supposed to be kind, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. How do you exhibit kindness? Especially when somebody's very trying in relationships. Someone who dominates relationships. Someone who dominates conversation. Someone who always has the right answer. I know what I think sometimes. Shut up. Just be quiet quiet, let somebody else talk. Love doesn't envy. We look at things and say, wow, how did they get that? I should have that, that's mine. Love does not boast. Anybody know someone who boasts? You have someone, I've been everywhere, I've done everything, that's nothing, I can top this. This is what I did. Look at me. It's not proud. Romans twelve three tells us, don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I think we can all admit at one time we've been proud about some type of accomplishment that we've done, and I think there's a righteous pride that we can say, you know what? I was able to accomplish this because God led me this way. God showed me. God gave me an opportunity. But it's all based in what God has done. It's not what I have done. And some people boast about what they accomplish and what they do, and there's no assent given to God at all. It doesn't dishonor others. Do we look at other people, whether they're believers or unbelievers, with this idea, the Latin idea of Imago Dei, created in the image of God? In the back of our mind, do we have some assessment that we've made on a group of people, whether it's race, gender, language, ethnicity, education? finances, whatever, and make an assessment that this person doesn't have any worth in my construct. I'll tell you who I have a hard time with. The guys who stand on the street corners with the cardboard signs that say, hungry. And we've had the experience, we've offered someone a meal and holy mackerel, you would think of (laughs) There was a string of obscenities I just <laughs> couldn't believe. You know what my mind said right away? Well, you don't deserve this. Do I dishonor people because I don't respect who they are? You know, Pastor Sean has talked about, uh, I, I don't belong to the, uh, the Elmwood Park Facebook, but apparently there's some pretty vitriolic things that go on there. People posting about, what's happening in the neighborhood, posting about their neighbors, saying vicious things about them. Uh, What a unique platform that we can use to um, spit out um, things that we would be embarrassed to say in public. Shame on us. Love is not self-serving. Again, I go back to uh, someone I have in my life that, um, not Lorene. not Lorene. Every time I meet with this person, they have an agenda. It's all about them. It's all about them. It's manipulation. It's how I need to do this, that, and the other things so that they are served and things get taken care of the way they want. Not No interest in your life whatsoever. Am I willing to love that person? with their best interests? The question I have is, how do I do that? That's where I need the Spirit of God to guide me. It's not easily angered. 2 Corinthians 3.11 tells us, aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And let the God of love and peace be with you. Again, I go back to situations and Churches that we know of where, for some reason, we have green carpet and we wanted orange carpet. And because I didn't get my way, I just told people, yeah, that's it, I'm out of here, I'm gone. And people haven't talked for years over things that really don't matter eternally. Love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 Peter 4.8 says, above uh, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. It keeps no record of wrongs. I used to work for a sergeant that every time you would ask him for something, he would say, well, let me think about it because I remember when you, and then he would fill in the blank, did this. It's like, seriously? 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 I don't know if I should say this. Should I tell them my archaeology joke? Yeah. Yes, yes. Do you know the majority of successful archaeologists are women? Because they have an innate ability to dig up the past. Now, 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 now let, me, let me just tell you something. That is not loving. I admit that and I'm getting the finger shook at me, by Dan back there. But do we keep a record of wrongs? Do we look at people and say, hey, I remember when. Have we extended forgiveness? In some cases where there's been a, a strife between me and another person, have we taken the first step in forgiveness? Or maybe we're the offended party. Have we gone to that person and said... We have to get this straight. And not so much argue out who's right or who's wrong, but seek forgiveness because my attitude has been wrong. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil. First Thessalonians 5.15 tells us, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. We see in our society today that we delight in evil. Not us, but there's a faction of people out there who just want chaos. They want to see things torn down. They want the government disbanded. They want who knows what, totally for the purpose of chaos. We don't delight in evil. I think about this too, what we're hearing uh, consistently now Um, It's been going on for some time, but just this drive for abortion, it's evil. Do we delight in that? Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Love rejoices with truth. Are you glad when you see truth win? Not man's truth, but God's truth. Look at this, love always, always protects. In your relationships and your love of one another, are you a protector? Do you trust? Do you trust other people? Now there's a time when I think we have to look at situations and go, "Eh, I don't know, I'm not really sure, because I think trust needs to be built. But among your brothers and sisters, do you trust them? Love always hopes. Do you hope the best for others? Love perseveres. Love says, even in a relationship where I'm at odds with someone, even though I may be offended, even though I may not think the same way, even though I don't have in my mind what I think someone else should be, I'm going to persevere in this relationship, and I'm going to love that person the way God loves them, and sees that they have intrinsic value because they're created in the image of God. I guess the question this morning is, how do you measure up to the standards of love that God's word describes? Remember, this love is not manufactured. We can't choose or take the ability that we have within ourselves and just manufacture these characteristics that Paul has laid out. It can't be done on our own strength. It has to be done by understanding that, first of all, God loved us. And our relationship with God has to be right before I can have a relationship with someone else that's right. Apart from God, all it is is clanging cymbals, loud noise. It's show. It really means nothing. So we have a command to love. We've looked at the characteristics of love. And let me just say, uh, we're doing this topic about one another's. I just went through and looked at one another. I don't know how far Sean is planning on going with this, but God's word says we're to be devoted to one another, we're to love one another, we're to greet one another, we're to encourage one another, we're to offer hospitality to one another, submit to one another, bear with one another, have the same mindset as one another, accept one another, spur others toward love and good deeds, compassionate to one another, We should even wash one another's feet, meaning service to one another. We should forgive one another, live in harmony with one another, instruct one another, sing or speak psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit to one another, admonish one another, uh, not to pass judgment on one another, clothe ourselves with humility toward one another and agree with one another. And I'm telling you this, if we cannot love one another, we cannot do the rest of these they're all rooted in that self-sacrificing agape love that I'm willing to take that step to put myself behind put Christ ahead and serve love people the way Christ does the way God loves us and there's a benefit to that actually John 13, 35 says, by, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Guess what? As we love one another, as we love people the way God loves them, it is a witness to a world that's looking for love. They're looking for meaning in love. They're looking for fulfillment in love. They're looking for a love that is all-encompassing and it can only be found in God? Do I look at people, other than brothers and sisters, others who are outside the family of God, with this attitude that they are created in the image of God? They have value and they need to know and understand what love is. Am I a witness in the way I conduct myself with those who don't know Jesus Christ. Wow, the greatest example of love is who? Christ? God? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Nutshell of the gospel. Do I love people that way? John ten seventeen. Jesus says the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Again, he says in verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. The example of love, John 10, 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and take it up again, and this is the command I receive from my Father. I was listening to a radio station on, I guess I was in the car, the... Uh, the gospel station, uh, some good gospel quartets. I like gospel music, basically. But some of the theology is not really good sometimes. It's, uh, it's a little stretched, let's put it that way, anyway. But there was a song that came out. I, I, I was looking for the song. I can't find it anywhere. But it, uh, the theme of the song was basically that uh, uh, Jesus was cut down in the prime of his life. That, that was one of the main um, lines in the song, uh, in the chorus and in each one of the verses. And I got to thinking about that. No, 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 no. Uh, that, that's wrong. He was not cut down. He purposefully chose to lay down his life, to take the sin of the world, my sin, your sin, and cover it with his blood. The only thing he requires is belief that I can't get to God on my own I can only get there through Jesus Christ. He's our example of love. Is your love toward other people sacrificial to the point you would be willing to lay down your life for them? Let me go back to examples of love. We've seen examples of love uh, within the church here. We're, we're doing the, uh, the food pantry. It's an example of love, of reaching out to people who are in need. We ask nothing. We have the closed closet. We're doing that. Recently, we moved uh, Pat Raffalo from uh, um, Elmwood Park here. Uh, her daughter came up yeah, from Florida, and, and there was a decision made that it would be better if uh, they lived together. There were some needs there. And they had to clean out their house. You know what? There was an expression of love among people, who came and lifted and packed and shuffled and uh, put things in order and got things all set for That's an example of love. I think as our pastor is away and some of the things he's dealing with with regard to uh, his father with his mother's passing, upholding him in prayer and his family, an example of love. And again, where does all this come from? Well... We've talked about the need for love, uh, the, uh, the uh, characteristics of love, the example of love, the source of love. Again, I mentioned earlier, we can't manufacture this on our own. John 1, uh, 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Psalm 66:20 Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. God is love. He is the source of our love. He is the one who has designed it. He has designed love to have relationship with us. It's a benefit for us. He's designed us to have relationship with one another and at least within the body of Christ, that uniqueness that we have, that we are brothers and sisters. Uh, Again, uh, Lorena and I, uh, years back on a vacation, uh, we were on a a train in uh, Colorado uh, going up uh, from Durango to Silverton, like a a three-and-a-half-hour train trip, and I don't know, I'm like my dad. I I talk to everybody. My my daughter thinks I'm crazy. My wife, she's gotten used to me, but... uh, I I just like talking to people. Who are you? Where are you from? We got to talking with this couple, uh, Carl and Claudia. And, you know, after about maybe five or ten minutes of speaking uh, with them, you hear phrases or a tone or an attitude that kind of conjures up in your mind Gee, I I wonder if they're believers. And so you ask the question, are you believers in Jesus? And they were. How did we know that? I think it's because God gives us this sensitivity as we love one another, and we can tell when someone's a believer. It draws us together. We're also a witness to the world. As I mentioned before, Our love for one another speaks to what God can do in lives that need to be reconciled to Him. How do you love others? We have a choice to love, we can't generate it on our own. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can even tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care, gave God, God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned him from sin. O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints in angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. God's love is deep, it is immeasurable, it is all-encompassing, It meets us where we are. Are we willing to take that step to reach out to someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal savior and love them with an all-encompassing love, with a sacrificial love? Yes, it's gonna take time. Yes, it's gonna take me out of my way. Yes, it's gonna throw me off my schedule. Yes, it might even be a late-night phone call. Are we going to do that? If you have never experienced this love, perhaps listening online, and you don't understand what we're talking about, you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, you need to understand and know that God loves you. There is nothing you have done that he cannot forgive. There is... No person who has no value in God's economy. God's desire is that you be reconciled to him. And again, too, take a look at our history as we read about God, created our world, created the animals, the plants, everything we see has been created by God. And then he creates mankind. He creates the image of himself in male and female. He breathes the breath of life into them. They live in a perfect relationship with him. There's this exchange of love back and forth until man decides, I don't need God. I can do this on my own. It breaks the relationship. Sin enters a world and everything is cursed. Man now lives outside of the relationship with God. And so God has a plan because he loves man. He sends Jesus Christ, his only son, into the world to live as the God-man, fully God, fully human, and goes to the cross and endures death and takes on the sin of the world so that people who believe Christ is the only way to come to God. Who throw themselves, who acknowledge, uh, however you want to say this, believe that the only way to come to Jesus, the only way to come to God is through Jesus Christ, is because of what God has done on the cross, what Christ has done on the cross. My sins have been paid for because of what Jesus Christ has done. And you know what's neat? He rose again. He conquered death. He's the only person who can stand before the Father when I sin and say, that's covered. It's been paid for. It's handled. I would encourage you if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, today is a day of salvation. All you need to do is just acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you have sinned before God, that there's no way for you to present anything to him of yourself or anything else that's going to give you eternal life. All other systems, apart from understanding and knowing who Jesus Christ is, are futile. They're just man's attempt to get to God. So my question to those of us that are here today, do you love a challenge for you this week reach out to somebody that God impresses upon your heart pray about it Lord show me someone maybe it's someone in my family who doesn't know Jesus maybe it's someone at work maybe it's a casual conversation you have with somebody at a coffee shop if we can still meet inside depending on where you live Maybe it's my neighbor. Ask God to put somebody on your heart this week where you can reach out with the love of God, the love of Christ, so that you have an opportunity to show others that you love them and God loves them and you're able to share the gospel with them. We're going to have our... uh... Group come up, and they're going to sing, and then I'm going to close in prayer, right? And I forgot. What are we singing? Ancient of Days. Ancient of Days. Ancient of Days. A good old foot-stopping, hand clapping song. Well, that's not good and old. It's, it's a good song, right? <laughs> yeah. All I know are old songs, so anyway.